Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela. And I'm Jen. And today we are going to discuss, I can't believe it, we're going to talk about 2024. I have to say yeah. it slow. <laughs> Reselling <laughs> and like, what is that going to look like for your business? And how do we think that you could be successful going into the new year? Yeah, so last week we talked about our thrift store is dead and you guys seem to really like that episode. And we figured this would be a great transition from understanding what sourcing could possibly evolve into in 2024 and take that information and build upon it for a successful business in 2024. I can't even believe we're in 2024 in just no. two short months. It's just wild. That's so insane. I know. <laughs> so we're going to get right into it, guys. We will see you at the table. Welcome. Welcome back, friends. Hello, everyone. So yeah, yeah well, I think we had a really interesting conversation, like we said last time, yeah. just about thrift stores and what we thought. We got a really lot, a lot of great feedback from yeah. all of you. Um, sounds like a lot of you were feeling kind of the same ways that we've been talking about here. So we thought that this would be a really great transition for us to talk about what are things that we think that you could be doing for your reselling business in the new year. And now is really a great time to start thinking about all this kind of stuff. I know that right at this time that we're recording the podcast, it is um, early November, um, but it's a really good time to start reflecting, self-reflecting, looking at how your year went, looking over your year to year numbers. How has your business evolved and changing? Um, it's just a really good time, I feel, for you to look at this. It's not really something that you should be looking in the new year <laughs> at um, what you <laughs> yeah. want to be focusing on. So I think that today we're definitely going to talk about different facets of how we think that you can have a successful reselling business in the new year. Or can we have one? Maybe that's the that bigger question. Can we? Yeah. No, I know. Yeah, I, I, cause I think there, so I think one of the biggest things last week was, or like a, a turning point for people when they were listening to the episode was, while things have really changed, you know, when I do go walk into a thrift store, I do realize that things are way more expensive and I just can't, I can't sustain it anymore. And I'm, and it's getting harder and harder. And I can't say it's going to get any better. Like, I think that's the mentality we kind of have to go with, right? Thinking about 2024. And like you said, Jen, I always look at November, December as like, all right, let's assess where mm -hmm. we at. And what do I want the next six months to look like? Like, I think it's good to take chunks of time because years evolve, things that happen in the economy evolve, stores evolve, things are always changing. Um, but I think it's so crucial to just understand where you're at and what you want to do better. Yeah, absolutely. The first step is you, right? First thing is really to look inside um, and take a look at your business. A couple of things that we would recommend for you to do is utilize um, either the platform numbers that you can get from different platforms that are out there. Um, your own, if you have your own tracking system, you know, go back and reflect, look at like all of your months, look at like what were your top selling months? 
What did you do differently at that time? Was it just because of the seasonality of products? Was it because you found a new sourcing spot or you ended up getting an influx of a certain type of brand that like really did well for you? Like try to find what are some of those um, high points that you had within the year and see if you can find patterns and trends when you're looking at your data. And then on the flip side, what were your challenging months? Where were times where you found that you really struggled? Was it because of summer slowdown? Okay, we all know summer slowdown happens every single year. But what did you do during that time, you know, that maybe attributed to some of your slowdown? Were there things during that slowdown that seemed to still do really well that maybe you need to be picking more of that up for next year? Did you notice that coats started picking up sooner? You know, like they people, you started selling them in August or September as opposed to like October, November, you know, maybe that means that you need to start picking up coats sooner so that you have more of an influx of inventory. There's a lot of guidance that can come from your own numbers and your own data. So I think the first step I would say is like we said, look within, look and see yeah. what kind of data do you have on your own business that can help you. Did you maybe like get a new tool or something, you know, that, that has helped you to Maybe it was a bot. Maybe it was, you know what I mean? An inventory system. Maybe it was something else that you saw. And that's something where you can just be like, yeah, I need to focus more attention and more, put in more dollars into that. Right. I think the, the one thing that you talked about was, you know, was it something that happened in a certain month or a certain period of time in your business that you can attribute to XYZ happening? And I think Jen and I could both speak to us backing off so much over the last year and how that's affected the business and how we keep that in mind when we are making decisions. Like for Jen, she may come across something that's so amazing, but it's going to really knock her socks off in order for her to pick it up and want to sell it. Right. Like it's got to be top tier. Um, I mean, same goes for me. I'm a little more lenient than I think Jen is when it comes to all this right now, but um, I think understanding even personal reasons as to why things may have slumped. Maybe you just had a really off month and maybe the kids were sick for like weeks on end and you had no time to work on anything. Or maybe your internet went out for like a whole weekend and it just disrupted everything in your business. Maybe you moved from a storage unit into a warehouse. Maybe you moved out of a warehouse and into your home. Like all of those things are going to affect what's happening. I think we just have to be realistic and honest with ourselves when we're looking at all of that when we're making these decisions within our business and really understand not just what the numbers are telling us, but like, what did you actually do during this time? Because what we do impacts what those numbers look like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Another thing I think that then once you kind of gauge on what those numbers are, you need to then also now look at your expenses. That is going to be no. really the next yeah. step that you need to look at. Yeah. You need to see how much did you spend on inventory? If you don't know those numbers, highly recommend that making one of your top priorities for next year, you know, is to start yeah. tracking all of this information. Um, what are things that you invested in for your business? Um, how did that turn out for you? Was it worth the investment? Was it not? Is it time to get rid of that subscription to an app or something that's supposedly helping you, but you're not really seeing that return on investment. Now is the time to really relook really at all of that stuff. Um, like Danielle said, maybe it was that you got a better inter internet 
you know, service or something yeah. like that. Did that help you? Okay. Well then that's something that you should keep as opposed to trying to maybe change that or something like you really need to start looking at your expenses too. And how much money, not only did you bring in, but how much went out too is yeah. also a really, really big thing that you need to start tracking because if we, if we don't know those numbers and how are you going to know that you're profitable, number one, and number two, how are you going to know if those investments that you made are actually worthwhile? Yeah. And I think especially we've seen it happen this year. And I think it's just going to keep happening in the years to come is there are more fees that come out of these platforms now with promotions and whatever else that the platforms are doing. You're boosting just like you wouldn't as if you had your own Shopify store, you're boosting everything out. You're paying these algorithms so that your items can be seen when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply there's a lot more expenses that need to be taken into consideration that we didn't necessarily have to worry so much about within the last five years. Like they existed, but it never impacted sellers the way that it is today. Um, and I and I think it's just like the way the world is now and how expensive groceries are. And we all gotten smarter on the way that we buy groceries and where we go and what we get and all of, you know, and all of that it applies the same way to your business. So what you're doing in your personal everyday life with your family or for yourself applies the same way in your business. And you've got to be smarter about it. I got rid of a cross-listing platform over a year ago, got rid of it, found a free one, works great, happy with it. But actually I stopped using eBay and I'm only on Poshmark right now. And I cut that cost out. So I'm not paying for a store subscription or anything right now. And eBay wasn't enough of a, a ding to my business for me to really feel the impact of not using it anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there's other avenues I can use. Um, do I think everyone should do that? Absolutely not. It's just what worked for me at this point of where I'm at. Yeah. I think for other people, it's worth paying all that. It all depends on what your goals are. Are you full time? What does your revenue look like? There's so many factors to it. So you have to take what everyone says with a grain of salt, just because some big seller out there that you look up to, that you admire, that is a great advocate in the community, has all of these things and it works for them, doesn't mean that you need it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is such a great way to look at it, Danielle. Like, I think if you are going to take advice and you want to look at what somebody else does, I would not just focus on like the big and fluffy and the pretty and stuff, but like, I would try to find accounts and follow people who have or do something similar to what you want to do yes. because somebody who maybe is telling you, you need to buy all these products, but then they um, only buy liquidation and they have a warehouse and they have a staff or they have this. And you're like, well, that's not really what I want to do in my business. I just want to buy things from the bins and flip them, you know, for 20 bucks, 25 bucks a piece. 
I would focus on like finding those types of people that do those types of similar things and maybe reaching out and talking to them or something, you know, because like I said, everybody has a different business model. As we all know, reselling is not just one thing. Mm -hmm. It's so different. And yes, we could all say like, yes, there's different categories, right? You could be like, I sell vintage this, I sell electronics, I sell housewares or whatever. Yes, there's that facet. But also even within clothing, clothing, there's so many different ways to sell clothing. And, you know, I think that that would be another good goal for you is just to like try to align yourself and find people who are doing similar things to what you're doing, because I think that you'll get better ideas and better advice too on, on like mm -hmm. how they're running and structuring their business. You know, it's still fun to follow all the people, don't get me wrong, that do all different types of things. But I know like if there's somebody who's a luxury seller, for example, you know, and they sell like only high-end, really expensive stuff. And I'm not going to follow their sourcing strategies because I'm not a luxury reseller. You know, if I find, happen to find a cool luxury thing, sure, of course I'll grab it. You know what I mean? But like, they're just in a different, a different ballpark than I am, mm -hmm. you know? So I would just say like, that would be something, maybe perhaps a little bit of a social media detox in a way for you, you know, going through and seeing who else, who knew on this, can I take on this journey with me? Who are people that maybe I need to just, kind of leave them behind and focus and focus on my own journey better. And I would not recommend, don't follow anybody that makes you feel bad about yourself. Yeah. Feel bad about your business. Feel bad about the way that you run your, your own company or feel like you're inadequate, like an <laughs> inadequate or anything mm -hmm. like that. I think that would be another advice that I know Daniela would agree with me on. Like, Try to try to also make sure that in order for you to have a healthy, stronger business, we also need to make sure that we take care of ourselves mentally too. And Absolutely. a lot, a lot of what we see on social media can really affect us mentally. So maybe it is time to just like unfollow or mute or silence for a little bit certain accounts and see if you miss them or not. Chances are you don't, you're not going to miss them. Chances are you not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's just the reality. You're mm -hmm. not going to. As you were talking, Jen, I was thinking how much time we invest in, no matter what the business is, there's a certain amount of time that it almost becomes obsessive and you feel like you need to keep putting that same time in or even more time in. Even if your goal is to step away and not put as much time in, there's always this like emphasis within the owning your own business realm that you have to be like 300% dedicated at all times and you need to be able to do everything. Even if you're outsourcing, you're still involved. You know what I mean? Like there's, mm -hmm. there's this conception out there. And I think that's probably one of the biggest analysis that I did um, going into 2023 was how much time do I actually want to dedicate um, to this in 2023? And then now my analysis is what type of time do I dedicate it in 2024? And I think it's just a smart thing to do because there may be a year where you're in it and you are hustling. Yeah, I hate that word, but it's true. You are grinding. You are doing it all and you're spending as much time as you can on it. Jen's been in that situation and so have I. I and yeah, it happens with regular full-time jobs too, not just this. It does. It does. And if you're feeling you know, this, I would highly, highly recommend um, watching 
our good friend Mogi, Mogi Bat's mm-hmm. videos that she has just recently posted on YouTube about how her letting go of that idea of the girl boss, you know, and just kind of letting go. I honestly found those videos incredibly inspirational and um, really thought that she had a lot of really great insight and advice on that because I think that we all see Mogi as somebody who just is, like you said, like a hustler, you know, not a hustler, yep. but like, you know, she hustles, hustles yep. for her business. She's always on, like working really, really hard. She's making changes and she's making shifts. And she talks about how all of that is okay. And so if you're feeling like that too, now, you know, the fall and the winter is really a good time. She's just like we said, sit down, try to quiet that noise and like time to reflect, you know, be with family, be with friends, be with your loved ones and really focus on like, what do you want this to kind of look like for you? But I just like, I, I meant to mention this video to you, Danielle, actually, because I, I found it incredibly, um, it's on my list to watch. <laughs> See, Yeah, it really, really was. So, you know, definitely that's just some other things that we think that you should also think about for your business. Yeah. I think first of all, congratulations, Mogi on baby number two. We're very yes. happy. We're actually like her baby's due, I think the same week as mine or like a few days. Yeah. A few days after my baby. So, um, yeah, Mo- Mogi, I think has really great insight and perspective on things. And she looks at reselling in a way that I don't think many people look at reselling. She's just so business focused. And a lot of it comes with, she's shared it on this podcast before of her family's background and, and everything, you know, having that business background in the families is helpful. Um, but she, she, her life will be changing once again, going into 2024. And I, and I think it's really smart that she's taking the time to kind of share it with everyone and, and explain why she needs, needs to make these changes within her business. And honestly, if, if there's nothing happening in your life, but you are feeling the mental struggle of having to perform like this all the time, and it's making you not want to resell anymore, well, then you need to take a hard look at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. either it's your processes maybe it's the time that you're spending maybe you've foregone like a lot of your hobbies or activities that you used to do like yeah. what is it that's holding you or I shouldn't say holding you back what is it that's forcing you to put so much time and energy into it but you're not feeling the reward and you feel super uh drained from it all like I think you need to look at all that sometimes it's not that something's happening in your life and you need to do it sometimes it's just I'm just doing too much yeah, exactly. We do it in our full-time jobs. There are times where like, I don't even get up to go to the bathroom because I'm so hyper-focused on something mm-hmm. that I need to get it done. And I will work later to get it done or I'll sign in from home to get it done. No one's putting that pressure on me, but myself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I do. I do the exact same thing. So <laughs> yeah. it's so bad. It is right. so bad. <laughs> but Obviously, these are all the things that we need to focus on. Now, let's say that you're thinking, you know what? I've looked, I'm ready. I'm ready for what's next. And what are some good things that I need to be doing in order for me to grow? I'm looking to grow because not everybody's out there, you know, thinking that they want to either scale back or maybe pivot and adjust or, um, you know, reduce down or anything. There might be some people out there that are like, I'm hungry. I'm ready for more. What do I kind of need to do? What should I be looking out for? Well, yeah. Like we said, I would say on the flip side, number one is make sure that everything that you have is first of all, organized and structured that you have that. We yeah. can't stress that enough. Try to find, you know, a good support team too, where it comes to like having potentially a good accountant, 
you're going to need that. Um, some type of inventory management software. You know, we've um, mentioned that there's like a couple of different companies that you can go that are specifically for reselling. Mm -hmm. There are other ones that you can just use like QuickBooks. You can use that. There's Excel documents that you can create even on your own too, that you can look up online and like figure out on how to do that. If you're just don't have the money, you know what I mean? Or the, the capital to, to go in and right. invest in all that. Um, I would say that that's first of all, number one thing, if you're looking to expand, to grow, um, another great idea would be to start potentially looking at a, um, virtual assistant too. Yeah. A lot of people have virtual assistants now. They have been incredibly helpful for them, whether it's like a posher VA. Um, I know a lot of people talk about that company and a lot of people enjoy um, having, you know, a bot essentially, you know, go in and sharing. And that sounds like it does very well for a lot of people. Um, but you need to find ways on how you can outsource specific things that take up a lot of your time. That's what you really need to focus on and finding so that you can focus on the things that are actually going to bring you in money into your business. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Yeah, I think to go off of that, you may not necessarily want to grow. Maybe you are in the camp of you have so much stuff and you really, and you just, you find a lot of great things and it could help you grow, but you're stifled because there's so many things and you just can't do it on your own. This is where having someone to photograph for you, someone to mm -hmm. list for you. Now, someone can list from you virtually in a different country, right? But to photograph, if that's not your strong suit, your strong suit is getting the inventory, like putting it into a system and putting it away, then you know your strength. You do that and hire someone, a high schooler, someone who's retired, oh, whatever, 100%. right? To yeah. do that for you. Yeah. They love it. Yeah. All you got to do is just teach them your setup and your style. Mm -hmm. Honestly, like you can find a lot of people who want interning opportunities, you know, um, where high school projects, they got to get those done. Yeah. High school projects, even junior hires who are just looking yeah. to make, you know, a little bit of extra money or something like give them a phone to photograph. They'll love it. You know what I mean? Even if it's like your own children or something, you know, like mm -hmm. teaching them some like type of responsibility also along with everything else. But like if photographing is something that you're like, it's too much or even shipping, you can teach these people easily how, how to like at least package everything up and lay yep. everything out. Yes. It's a little bit of work up front because people are going to say, Oh, but now I have to teach them everything. Well, of course you do. You have to, that happens everywhere <laughs> in every single job. You have to yep. spend the time to invest into that person to help you with that. But how nice would that be if you have somebody coming in for you, like, I don't know, every Tuesday and Thursday, and they do all your photographing and all of your shipping for you. That's two big things off of your list that you could be focusing on for sourcing, you know, or mm -hmm. something else that you would rather be spending your time with, you know? So definitely look into that. There are a lot of opportunities for you to hire people um, yeah. and people who can really make a big difference in your company. 
especially if you're looking to grow your business. I think like yeah. that's, it's almost, it's critical to have if you're trying to grow your business or maybe you don't even know you want to grow it, but you just know you have a lot of items and then you start to see the rewards of having all these items listed and you're like, oh, maybe this is something that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once you understand what your process is going to be, if you want to be successful and you want to grow, then you got to know trends. And I don't care what category it is that you sell in. All right. We can talk about clothing because that's what Jen and I do, but I don't care what category you sell in. It could be vintage. It doesn't matter. You need to know what is trending if you're going to be successful. This is what retailers do. And I don't mean just check what's trending right now. You need to be six months to a year ahead if you're going to be making business decisions that make sense. That's what the big dogs do. Yeah, reselling, as we know, has changed so much. It's not necessarily a whole thing where people are looking for stuff that they used to have that they want to replace or like maybe someone who's just kind of looking for a deal, seeing kind of what's out there. Reselling is exactly like regular shopping now. Yep. People are there browsing. People are there looking for specific things people are looking for specific events people are just looking to update their wardrobe whatever it is people are shopping and honestly I don't even think this year it's going to be that big of a deal when it comes to like Christmas shopping and people having having to have new with tags I guarantee you there's a lot of people who are like I want a vintage blah 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 sweater from Mm -hmm. 1994 whatever it is you know (laughs) what I mean it's like I really do think that that's going to just keep getting bigger and bigger so it's like you do you need to follow trends it doesn't like we said it doesn't necessarily talking about like fashion and all that kind of stuff I know we like all that because that is something that Danielle and I focus on but if you're like a niche reseller it's like you need to know the ins and outs of that category like the back of your hand you really really do so invest in like spending time right either there's so much free information, you know, YouTube or yeah. different people's channels or like, like we said, following the right type of people that sell things that you're interested in, that you're like, I want to know more about that. Going online, Google searching, going to stores, seeing what is coming in through the racks, you know, what's brand new, what's, what are people excited about going on their websites? You've really got, have to be, like you said, not only like Danielle said, in the know, but you need to know ahead of time because you need to start picking up stuff for, you really should already start looking at things for spring already. Absolutely. You need to, if you find cool things in the summer items, start grabbing them now. Don't pigeonhole yourself. That is a huge, huge thing that's going to really, really work against you if you do. And I think that's just the way reselling has always been is to just look at like the next couple of months ahead. And we, we kind of touched on this in the sourcing episode too. Yes, that works to an extent, mm-hmm. but you need to know, especially if you're in the fashion world, you better be on all the different platforms. You better be looking at all the different influencers and what they're posting. You better go on YouTube and see what's new and what's coming out. Go to the bookstore and look at the magazines that are in. Yeah. Go look at them. You don't have to buy them. You don't have to buy them, but look at them because that is indicating to you what you need to focus on as a fashion reseller. Absolutely. Absolutely. And TikTok, I'm not on it, but listen, they dictate trends. They just do. 
They do. And we know we've talked about this, that like people aren't shopping really for brands anymore. People are shopping for style. Now people are looking for specific things and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, something that was, I don't know, at a discount store versus like a high-end store. If it has that look and it's got that feel of what people are looking for, people are willing to pay pretty, pretty premium prices for the real deal, the authentic stuff, you know, the, the, the specific thing that like the, that influencer had or something. So just something to definitely keep in mind, like try to build in time to just do research and trends and a look at stuff and not necessarily like we said, just haul videos of what people are picking up. Yeah. You really need to start honing in on like, what are you seeing that people are potentially looking to buy, you know, and right. maybe keeping your eye out wherever it is that you source for these things. Um, I had just said something I wanted to say and it just totally slipped my mind. Man, pregnancy brain. I have felt it hardcore the last two weeks, <laughs> like big time. Yeah, it I totally lost it. Yeah, it was a really good point too. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll remember. I would say uh, we can go on to the next thing that we talked I want, about. Well, I want to talk pricing next because I think it goes hand in hand. Oh, now oh. I remember. I remember. Okay, mm. it's back. What I wanted to say going off of what we said about trends and um, not necessarily getting the brand, right? So this is like a luxury comparison, but mm-hmm. Ferragamo has just come out with the bag that's $2,900 that looks just like a Birkin, but it has slight variations of it. It's more rounded, but it has the same type of buckle in the front. And I think you're going to see that style trickle down to other brands as well, like the more affordable brands, Mm -hmm. because the Birkin has been highlighted so much over the last three to four years. It's like mm-hmm. the bag that everyone wants, that structured bag with the buckle. Everyone wants it, right? I thought it was so interesting that Ferragamo has come out with a bag that basically mimics it with some little variations to it. Instantly, my brain said, you're going to see Steve Madden do this. Yeah. Is it that one? Um, No. I don't like that one. Phone. It's similar. Uh, let me, well, I sent all I know is to... I've been staring at Ferragamo bags lately because I had this oh my one God, I love Ferragamo. thing and I saw it just sold for... Oh, it was 170 bucks. Oh, that one's nice. Yeah. Maybe I'll get that So this one. is $2,900. Sorry, guys, you can't see it. But if you go on the Ferragamo website and you look at the Hug handbag, H-U-G handbag, it is extremely similar. It's a satchel. Um, It's rounded, but it's very similar to what a Birkin would be. I can see H&M doing this. I can see Zara doing this. I can see Steve Madden doing Her this. Ferragamo has been like having a moment. I've been like absolutely yes. obsessed with their stuff lately like I don't they're know. revamping they're totally revamping and it's great I can't um, yeah <laughs> maybe that's better yes 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 yeah it, I'm just I love loving it. their stuff lately I don't know what yes. what is going on there but like their leather goods I'm like I want their belts I want their yeah. shoes and I want their handbags <laughs> and so go back a few years ago whenever we found Ferragamo I was like I'm not picking <laughs> that up yeah I agree not I not agree. the case now Um, But anyway, if you're going to start seeing once a big brand becomes real big and real hot, the brands that are still luxury, but Mm -hmm. like a lower tier are going to mimic what they do. And then from there, the mall brands are going to mimic. It's like Devil Wears Prada and that famous scene. You guys should watch that (laughs) that movie. (laughs) There's a famous scene in there where like Meryl Streep, who plays Miranda Priestly on there. 
she basically says about how like this specific color was first featured in Oscar de la Renta and then it trickled down to the minor designers and the minor designers then the department stores picked it up then the like then it was like the bargain stores then picked it up mm-hmm. she talked all about that how it all trickles down it absolutely does so sometimes like when we say well why the hell would I be watching the Dior show why would I watch this show why would I watch you know the Yves Saint Laurent show or whatever I'll tell you why because all that you're going to see that in like six to months to a year all over Zara mm-hmm. all over H&M all over everybody else's body <laughs> And those H&M and Zara pieces that are mimicking the really expensive piece are the blogger favorites that are going to give you a lot of money when you resell them. Exactly. It really does. It's pretty crazy. Those are the ones. You want to make $80 to $100 on Zara? That's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. You can Absolutely. be a Zara seller and be extremely successful. 100%. Oh you just God. have to understand it. Same with H&M. People don't realize that H&M does collabs with designers. Those collabs collabs make really good money off. Uh huh. And the modern collabs are going for a thousand dollars plus. So, and and that's brand new. And then when they resale, it's about the same price point because the H and M is an international brand, as is Zara. When they do these collabs in the European countries, it is a big deal. We don't look at Zara and H and M the same way in America as it's looked at in Europe. So. When you see influencers from other countries talk about those brands mixed in with luxury brands, it's because to them, it's mid-tier. H&M and Zara to them is like us buying stuff at Revolve or Farfetch. That's kind of like, that's the vibe that they have with it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So the fashion space, invo- especially women's clothing, involves a lot, a lot of research. And you have to want to do it. You don't have to do this. It all depends on what kind of seller you want to be. But if you want to know the latest, the greatest, and be current on everything, you have to do this. Yep, absolutely. Sorry. Absolutely. (laughs) No, no. And then I would say another thing that you would need to focus on too is sourcing strategies. Uh, We talked a lot about this with thrift stores, you know, but really looking at your sourcing strategy, like where do you go? You know, you should also like, if you have a place that you go that is pretty far, is it worth the drive? You know, mm-hmm. start factoring in all those kind of things. Like that is all gonna really make a big difference. Um, is it is it worth it for you to take your stuff to that buy sell trade store? Are you even making your money back on pieces? You know what I mean? Or maybe you know, you only go to that buy, sell, trade store place if you can, if it's also good for sourcing for you. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, we have to also consider the cost of gas and the cost of like everything, right? That is all going Mm -hmm. up. So you want to be really smart about your choices and really diversify where you go. We talked a lot about this in our other episode, you know, just like not relying so much on the same old places over and over and over again. As we know, you know, this space, 
is a competitive space. I don't yeah. care what people say. It's yeah. a competitive space reselling. It really is. So you need to try to think of like different ways on how to make yourself more competitive. Honestly, is that maybe where you're like, okay, I go to like five different places in the week, but I realize that I only really get most of my good stuff at three places. Maybe you just need to cut out those other two places and go to those three places more often, you know? So it's about restructuring and looking at your sourcing, your sourcing business um, and making sure that you're not wasting time. Yeah. And then to go off of that, you need to consider what are these costs that are going in, like Janet said, and factor this into the biggest topic that I think everyone needs to think about right now is pricing in 2024. What does that look like? I think any pricing that we thought worked this year, last year, whatever, it's not going to work in 2024. You need to start figuring that out now and understand where your buyers are at with price point. And you can tell just given the sales that you've had over the last 90 days, what has that looked like for you? What what are the items that people are willing to to pay what you have things um, listed at? And what are the items that just aren't reaping the same amount of money that they once did? It's a hard conversation to have and it hurts because Mm we as business owners and sellers, this is no matter what category or what kind of business you have, have this like preconceived notion of what the price should be. And sometimes we're right. And there are absolutely situations where you hold out for a price point and you hold out because that item warrants that price point and that buyer will come along 100%. There are always exceptions to the rule. This applies more to those I don't want to say just basic items, but those items that are just so easily found on the marketplaces. If it's a common item that anyone can get, but they can easily go to the thrift store and go get or easily find it on thread up, you need to be competitive. So this is like my bins people. You got to be real competitive. If that's your business model, your price point, especially if you want to grow, needs to be competitive. And there's a lot of resellers on YouTube that talk about this that are very successful. You need to understand, okay, these 500 sellers are selling it between 45 to $55. I want to be in that percent group, that that one or 2% group where we're selling it at $32.99 with free shipping. Like you need to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. We also have to understand what items warrant those decisions and which items warrant you to hold out at that $500 price point and you don't move from it. It's a hard lesson to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's very true. So much has changed, you know, and, and so much of it is just adaptability. You know, um, maybe it is where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to do live selling or not. Or maybe I'm going to, you know, um, go on next door app or something yeah. and advertise that I am reselling and see if I can get any clothes. Sometimes it's about that, you know, so it's all internally and figuring out what works for you in your space. But like we said, it's, there's definitely a lot of uncomfortable thoughts and conversations that you need to have <laughs> yeah. with yourself um, going, Absolutely. going into, into reselling, because I think if you're, if you're going to want to keep this going and keep the business going and everything, um, it's definitely still possible. A lot of people do it. A lot of people have very successful, great reselling businesses year over year over year, you know, and you can too, and you can also keep your business successful and going, you know, but, you know, I think the biggest thing is just time to reflect 
is the biggest thing, you know, time to reflect and see what, what are you seeing that's changing for you? What is working for you? What is not working for you? And these are just the things that Daniela and I hear and we see Mm. and we talk to a lot of folks about and what they're feeling. Um, So we know that it's definitely on a lot of people's minds, the things that we're talking about. Yeah. And last week we asked the question to each other, are thrift stores dead? Which we came to the conclusion of, no, it's just a diff. We just have to be more mindful of the way that we're sourcing, right? And where we want to source and how much we want to spend. So today's question is, is it still possible to resell in 2024 and be successful at it? And I think the answer is yes, but you need to do all these things that we talked about and really sit down and have these conversations, sometimes real hard ones with ourselves and try to get to that next point so that we can survive and thrive in the next year, right? It's not just about surviving. Next year might be about surviving for everyone. Every business, everyone in the world will just be surviving in 2024 because especially, you know, in our country, because things are just, they're very chaotic in terms of the economy and everything. Um, But I, I do think reselling is still possible. I just think you need to evolve and you need to grow and you need to be okay with that. And if you're not okay with it or you're not finding that love with it anymore, then maybe it's time to take a step back and see what aspects of it you do still enjoy, if any, um, Mm -hmm. and maybe just focus on those. Maybe it's you want to be a buyer for people. Some people love that. They'd rather do that than anything else. So there's a lot of assessments that have to happen. So what's your answer, Jen? I think it's still possible. I just don't think it's as easy as it used to be. Yeah. Honestly, I think that reselling before was something where it just wasn't as competitive as space as it is now. I'm not saying competitive in the sense of just other resellers, but just the thrift stores have become so popular. Yeah. Uh, everybody wants to shop secondhand now. Yep. So many people have, or companies have buyback programs, secondhand, you know, stores too, online, all that kind of stuff. So if you don't, if you think that you're not competing with all those people, you need to think again, you definitely, you definitely are. So I think it's just gotten a lot tougher. I think that you still can have a very successful reselling business, but I do think that you need to be adaptable. You need to be able to, to make changes within your business, even on the fly at times, just to, to ensure that you can keep that momentum going you know, but I, I don't know, I don't know long-term how all of this is going to look and, and see in the end. Um, I'll be honest with you. I really, I kind of hope that like <laughs> secondhand shopping and everything kind of dies down the trend itself, to be honest with you. I, I kind of hope it does. That's just me being selfish because I am a secondhand buyer. I always have been, and it's a lot tougher even for me as a buyer than it used to be. For me as a buyer, I see things are a lot more expensive secondhand. And I've even sometimes even said to myself, you know what? I'm just going to buy it new. I'm not even going to bother. I don't like that a lot of places like Poshmark, for example, sometimes I don't buy things because of the shipping costs on things, you know, Um, because I'm like, you know what? That's a really light item. I don't want to pay. I'm going to pay like as more in shipping than I would for this piece. I'm just going to go to the store and get it, or I'm going to go to an online retailer who can give me free shipping and I'll just buy that piece. So those are all the things that you're 
buyers are thinking because mm-hmm. I know if I'm thinking it, they're thinking it too. And, you know, an, another piece would be that sometimes, you know, I'll Google a piece or I'll look for a piece and I see that there's a lot of them out there. So it's like, there's not, there's just so much more inventory. So sometimes it's like, okay, well, who has the best price? Who's the one right. willing to work with me on the price point? Do they have a discount also attached to that for shipping? Do they have, I look at all that stuff. I do. And, and your buyers are going to too. So your buyers are getting smarter, you know, when, with where they get their inventory and where they get all their stuff. So I think that it's still definitely possible to do, but you're definitely going to have to make sure that you keep getting smarter with your business. Cause I don't yeah. think you can keep doing the same things over and over again and expecting them to work. Um, I know in the few years, like I've been doing this now for, I don't know, seven or eight years. And from when I first started to now it's completely different, completely different. So I think you need to be a little bit more savvy going into this year and making sure that you know what you need and what you want, what's required for your business. Um, if not, I do think that you will struggle. Yeah. And unfortunately we will see. I think more people coming out of the game in 2024. Um, I just think it's going to become too much for certain sellers that have gone in directions that just don't work anymore. Um, doesn't mean they can't come back, but I think it, it takes a big overhaul um, when you've reached a certain point in your business that you just can't come back from, unfortunately. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more people stopping and you know going into other things, but uh, I also anticipate people to be very successful and continue to grow and new names to pop up in the community because that's just how it works. Um, but yeah, that's all we have for this episode for you guys. Hopefully it was helpful as we start transitioning into the new year, heading into the holiday season. Wild to even think about. Uh, next week, Jen and I have our favorite episode and that is Winter Trends. Can't wait. Um, yeah, fall and winter are our favorite when it comes to fashion. There's so. just so much to do. I'm so excited, and I'm gonna be like, oh, we're gonna have to definitely talk because I'm going on my first business trip too. Yes. So I've been like, that's is why I've been looking at all the Ferragamo stuff because I'm like, it's just so beautiful. Like I need a Ferragamo bag. I've seen some <laughs> shoes and everything because it's like the first time that I'm gonna be like really dressed up for work. An adult. And- She's going to be an adult. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry, my express pants from like seven years ago is not going to cut it. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Yeah. So we're super excited about that, uh, which means our last installment of the Thrifters Villa magazine will be coming out for our Patreon group as well with all the winter trends. We give you some inspo and outfits and colors and things and what's selling on um, certain platforms. So yeah, the year is coming to a close and this is our last big trend report that we're going to do. Uh, although I think Jen had an idea of us doing a holiday trend report. So I think we're going to do that as well. Yeah, uh, leading definitely. Up into December. I think um, Poshmark came out with their holiday trend report. So I think it'd be really fun to kind of break that one down and see what are they predicting. Um, we know that the holidays are usually, we always say new with tag. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. always like, get those new with tag things listed. But I, I'm going to make the prediction that I, I, bet you that people are going to be looking for secondhand things specifically, yeah. you know, like I don't, I think that secondhand, like I said, doesn't have the stigma that it used to, that a lot of people, you know, would think, oh, I can't get somebody a gift secondhand. I think a lot of people are like, I have no problem with that. Absolutely. So yeah. We'll see. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. And I think we'll, we'll do the Poshmark one and maybe we can add in like 
a toy one or something like what the kids looking for this season because I think as sellers we can easily find something that's very comparable to what kids want or what they're looking for and it doesn't have to necessarily be new because we know kids forget all about toys and then you bring them back (laughs) out and they're like oh my god it's something brand new no it's not (laughs) but that's it for this week guys thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next week bye